Hello, my friends. This is Bishop Campbell welcoming you again to a short meditation on the theme of living the Catholic life. I begin by wishing you a very blessed Easter, and I pray that the risen Christ will rise in your hearts and bring you to everlasting life. This week after Easter is celebrated as a continuous celebration of Easter Sunday. Every day this week is celebrated as a solemnity. And it is an occasion for the Church, not only in its greatest uh, power and authority, to stress the importance of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, but also to allow us to consider the event and how it touches upon all of human history. And many years ago, something struck me about these Easter Gospels and the appearances of our Lord that I have meditated upon ever since. Given the historical significance of the rising of Jesus Christ from the dead, which is the very pivot of human history, you may look at the appearances of our Lord and their character and how there's such an absence of melodrama. Unlike what modern dramatists might want to make of the event, making it splashy, uh, explosive, overwhelming. But in fact, when we look at it, those appearances have a very particular and sometimes a very quiet quality to them. At the time that the resurrection occurred, most everyday life throughout the Roman and Greek world continued as usual, except for the small band of disciples. And it is from this small band of disciples that over the next three centuries, the Christian proclamation succeeded in converting the Roman Empire, the very empire that had conspired to crucify Jesus. And I wonder why the appearances are so quiet and why only to the disciples. Jesus did not hurry back into Jerusalem and loudly proclaim his uh, new life. He didn't call for any social or political revolution. No, rather, he suddenly appeared among his disciples. And it's interesting to note the means by which Jesus established his risen identity. You may notice that one of the ways is by calling his disciples by name. This is how Mary Magdalene came to recognize that this person standing before her was not the gardener that she first uh, supposed, but in fact was the Lord when she heard that voice call her Mary. He showed the disciples his wounds, that indeed he was the same Lord that suffered and died and overcame that suffering and death in his resurrection. And thirdly, 
he ate with the disciples. He gathered them around him, shared a meal. And in fact, in one of the most powerful gospel accounts of his appearance, that in St. Luke in the 24th chapter, we are told that he joined two disciples on their way to Emmaus and explained the meaning of all sacred scripture to them and then was invited by the disciples to join them for the evening meal. And when our Lord took up that bread and blessed it, the eyes of the disciples were opened, and it was indeed the risen Lord. And it's a wonderful gospel passage because it established not only the reality of the presence of Jesus Christ, but in fact was a foretelling of the Eucharist in which we are invited by Jesus to join him in that meal by which he he appears before us substantially in a sacramental way. Why the quiet approach and the rejection of purely worldly expectations? Why didn't the resurrection occasion extraordinary outbursts throughout the Roman Empire. And I think the answer lies in the way that our Lord was with and spoke with the disciples in those 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension. He wanted first to convert the disciples to establish his real presence, his continuing companionship with them, to teach them to open their eyes and their ears and to confirm their faith in him. In other words, he was teaching the disciples how to be a church, how to be the body of Christ that is extended throughout all time and all space until his second coming. And his interest was not in overwhelming people or forcing them to believe. His challenge is to change hearts and minds, one by one, individual by individual. And in changing their hearts and minds and expanding their realization of God's love and power, mercy and and presence, granting them the courage to live this change, and to speak of it. In other words, to continue the proclamation that Christ came to this earth first to give and to allow to change everything. And in understanding these appearances, and we ought to consider them very closely, we need to ask ourselves the question of what is now before the risen Lord, the vocation of the followers of that Lord. And the first is to encounter the Lord as he is present to us today, in his word preached, in his sacraments, and through the witness of other believers. And in understanding this encounter, having realized how it changes one's own life. We find ourselves 
caught up in a great hope, powerful joy, and a wonderful peace that in fact all things ultimately are in God's hands. He is a God of life, not of death. He is a God who wishes us to live with him forever and in the power of the risen Lord grants this promise. And I think we also, remembering our vocation, realize that we are being called to change our own lives, but to give witness to others as the first disciples did. For it is in that powerful personal witness that eventually the Christian church converted the whole of the Roman world. And they did it very simply by understanding something that Peter told the crowd in Jerusalem after he received the gift of the Spirit at Pentecost. He said, you must remember this, that there is no other name under heaven or on earth by which we are saved than the name of Jesus Christ. And with that understanding, there is this powerful impulse always to live the gospel, to preach the gospel, and to know Jesus Christ present every day in our lives. Again, my friends, Happy Easter. May that Lord rise in your minds and hearts and lead you to eternal life.